950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Over at the Laugh Camp Comedy Club coming up here tomorrow night and on Saturday night, Brian Miller and Matt Duyema are going to be performing. Brian Miller is kind enough to join us today uh, to talk a little bit about comedy and uh, his latest album, uh, which you can find. The new, All the new ugly people is available now. We'll talk about that as well. Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Hey, how's it going? Nice to talk to you. It's nice to chat with you. You, uh, you. Let's let's start off with this. You're a local guy. You, you're from the Twin Cities metro. Uh, not originally. Uh, I'm actually from a Paducah, Kentucky, originally. Really? Uh, but yeah, I moved up here, uh, boy, 16 years ago uh, to start comedy. So I've the whole time I've done comedy, I've been in the Twin Cities. Have you? Did you? Were you doing something else before that, or was it just one of those things that even from a younger age you're like, nope, I'm going to be a comedian. Uh, I mean, I really liked comedy, and I did it a couple of times when I lived in Chicago. But uh, after I graduated, I became a newspaper editor in Southern Illinois for several years. Oh, really? wow! That, and, and and at what point is it? Oh, the hell with this! I'm going <laughs> to go to the stage. Well, I, I I really wanted to do comedy, and I knew knew I needed to move to a city. And then the day that I knew it was for sure needed to happen because it's kind of depressing being a newspaper editor, even though I really liked my publisher and my my coworkers. And it was my last day. And I was, we were having cake, you know, and I, and I, I was this community newspaper. I was kind of the do-it-all guy. Yeah. And then uh, the secretary popped in and she said, uh, a guy uh, in a wheelchair has gotten run over by an Amtrak train and we need you to go take some photos. <laughs> so my last day as a newspaper editor, I'm literally trying to find the most artful photo of I can of this like mangled wheelchair next to an Amtrak train. And I thought, well, this. This this can't be the most fun job. <laughs> Sweet Lord! <laughs> now we understand. I didn't realize when we were watching all the presidents' men. Bill Bradley was like twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I was no, I was very young. Yeah, I was twenty three when I started that job. So. Oh wow! Oh man! Oh god! I I I'll have to go. Is the is the picture up online somewhere? I can see this. I don't. I don't no, I, you know the. The, the paper uh, got eaten up by one of those uh, investment hedge fund type people. Uh, it was the Carbondale Times back in the day. Okay. Uh, I was the, yeah, I was the editor-in-chief for three and a half, four years, I think. All right. Uh, so you come up here now. Um, were you married? Were you dating? When you get up here, what, what, were you a single guy on the town? No, I have always been married when I did comedy. I got married uh, right, shortly out of college to my, uh, my much more uh, intelligent and successful wife, which I know is a thing that people always say, but like, you know, like, oh, my wife's way smarter than me. But like, my wife's way smarter than me, and uh, <laughs> our, our financial history uh, will attract that case. I mean, she has she has more degrees and uh, more money, and uh, she's very very smart. No, I'm with you. I'm I'm fighting out of my weight class. I you know it's 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 you, you sometimes I don't know why are you, are you just appealed to pain or something like this? That's why you got married to a radio broadcaster. You know, I, it's the same thing. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's it's kind of I don't want to. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to be a nice guy. You know, either I've seen other guys they are better than me. Uh, were you? Did, was there any connection to Minneapolis, St. Paul, in your family? Is there anything like that? That why you came up here? Yeah, my wife uh, went to high school up here at Irondale, okay. and uh, we would we would visit. And uh, I mean, the, the really honestly boring answer was, I was like, "Look, we got to go to a city. Minneapolis seems to have a great comedy scene. Yes, and if we move to a third city, we're going to have to visit both of our parents once a year." So this way I can do I can do comedy. We can live in a city, and we only have to visit one set of parents per year. That's that's a very solid way of, of, of very doing practical. It. And the comedy scene in Minneapolis really is great. It was 
fantastic uh, at the time. And, you know, I did a little bit of reading about it, looking into different cities. And uh, it was like, boy, this place seems, seems pretty great. And it was. And then uh, I think it's had a real, um, a real resurgence in the last few years. A ton of really great new young comics. So it's a, it's a fun place to do comedy. And you, you have to keep working hard because there's really smart, funny new kids coming up all the time, pushing you from behind. Well, and you are, because I'm up on your webpage, I, I saw the little bit you got you did down in Utah. Uh, you're, you're, you're now using it as a base of operations. How, how often are you out on the road? Um, yeah, I mean, as often as I can tolerate it, I don't, <laughs> I don't love to travel, but I do it as much as I can. Um, I, you know, at one point, probably like 35 weeks a year, um, uh, but it's just got to be just too much of a wow. grind. So I, I'm a little pickier and choosier about, uh, which clubs I'll go to and which cities I'll go to. Uh, and I, I'm also a writer, so I write, uh, I write film essays and our newspaper articles and short stories. So I have plenty to keep me busy during the days. Well, and you do have that writing ability, the editing ability. That's the cool thing about you is you, you, you definitely have things you can do kind of more traditionally while you engage in this. It doesn't mean you're not busy as the day is long, but at the same time, you, you know, it, it, I think having that, I mean, I, I know that it's really hard for people that put all their, their, their eggs in one basket with the comedy. You know, you really have to work that hard, but you having that, I mean, obviously it gives you more material to work with because you have these experiences outside of the comedy world, but as well, it also it kind of gives you more of a stable existence. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been at this uh, going on sixteen years now, and most people don't do comedy for sixteen years, uh, and so really, and it's you know, it's a small small handful of people really, um, and so at this point, you know, it, you you do it long enough, and you, and you start to go, uh, I, I could be on the road fifty weeks a year if I if I you know leaned on all my my booking agents and everything, but like, do I don't want to be on the road fifty <laughs> weeks a year, you know, it's, uh, it's a, for me, it's a little too much. Uh, so I so I try to be gone no more than two weeks, probably a month, um, two weekends a month. And, you know, sometimes you're busier and sometimes you're less busy. But I find that balance to be pretty nice. And there's so many great venues in the Twin Cities and some really cool places just, you know, just out even in the burbs and, and you know, right across the river. And some, some of these little Wisconsin rooms like uh, Johnny's yeah. in River Falls is a, a fantastic room. So you can still do a ton of comedy and not be, you know, flying on a plane, you know, five, six times a month. And not doing the, the Holiday Inn in Fargo, that sort of thing. No, you're exactly right. It, yeah. Uh, by the way, once again, I want to mention this. You're at the Laugh Camp Comedy Club tomorrow night, Saturday night. Eventbrite's got the tickets. We'll make sure I get the link out to everyone out there. On the road, what's your favorite city? If you're not here in Minneapolis, uh, what's your if, they, if someone calls you from that town and says, hey, I'd like you to do a show, it's, I'm there. What city do you love going to? I mean, the number one is New Orleans, although the comedy is probably not going to be great because New Orleans is my favorite town in the world, but it's also not a great comedy town uh, because there's too much other cool stuff to do. There's too much music. Everyone's too drunk. Um, <laughs> but I will work in New Orleans anytime just so I can write that plane ticket off on my taxes and go down and hang out. Um, I think one of the sneaky, most fun comedy cities is Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I, I played a lot, you know, Chicago and L.A. and all, you know, I played a lot of really big cities, but man, I love doing comedy in Madison. Uh, it's a great club there and a really smart audience and a, a really fun hang during the day. I I was in New Orleans 
uh, in November. I went down there. My wife and I did an anniversary trip down there. I can get your point, man. That that city is fun. A lot of gunfire. But, I mean, it is fun yeah. down there. It is, it's kind of the case. But it is interesting because you're right. I imagine it's kind of hard because the music scene kind of gobbles up everything. That and the drinking scene gobbles up everything else down there. It's, it's kind of an inverse of the reason why Minneapolis is a great place to do comedy and a great place to do theater because it's cold and we don't have a lot of stuff to do during some months. And so it really drives people into the arts, and I think it's great. But, but you know, the, there's a reason that Hawaii and New Orleans don't have great comedy scenes, famously, because <laughs> the people in Hawaii and New Orleans have so much to do. They're not sad. They don't need to go inside. There's, you know, there's so much to do. So uh, that, that's, it's kind of a funny inverse relationship uh, in that regard, whereas there's, you know, I, I do think a lot of the most fun shows are in you know, places like uh, Boise, Idaho, has has a really fun comedy scene, and I love the crowds in Boise. They were they were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the some of the kind of smaller to mid level cities are, are a lot more interesting than people think they're going to be. The it, it does bring up a point as you're talking about this. Does comedy is are there more bookings when it comes winter? Because you're right. I mean, it's we're looking for things to do inside. Is there a is there a season that it's busier as opposed to like summer, or is it pretty much universal just whenever you want to work? Oh, hundred percent seasonal. Uh, I mean, there's there's you know the clubs are open all year, um, but there was a club, for instance, in Fargo back in the day, very prosperous club that used to just close up shop from like May to September because people wow. want to be outside. All the club owners will tell you it's much much harder to move tickets for a given random comic in the summer than in the winter. Whereas then flip side, I used to try to go down to Houston. I would like to go there during the winter when it was, the weather was better for me. But the club owner would say, oh, you know, we, we like you. We want to have you in the summer because that's when people want to come into our club for air conditioning. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and so th- that seasonality plays into it in, in both ways. But definitely, um, you know, you could have a, a headliner nobody's ever much heard of and they'll just sell some tickets during the, uh, during the winter. And during the summer, that might be a stretch. Whereas, you know, if you're Brian Regan, you're going to get some folks regardless. Is there anything more comedy that you get cold muncher in the colder cities and the hot muncher when it's god-awful hot and no one wants to be there? That's when comedy works. Is there anything more more epitomizes the comedy industry than that? It it really is. It's like, you got to go where the misery is. All right. (laughs) It's almost like you should follow a map of tragic news events. It's like, all right, there was a a horrific tragedy in Omaha six months ago. They're ready to laugh. Let's go down to Omaha, which is where I'll be next next week, by the way. (laughs) Glad to be here, everybody. Uh, You may not be, but I'm here. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Congratulations on the album, all the uh, new ugly people. Uh, This is available now. What prompted you to say, you know what, it's time for me to do an album? Uh, well, me and uh, our mutual pal Robert Burrill did an album at the end of 2020. Yes. Uh, we did that split album, 2020, about uh, kind of all the political events and stuff. But I, I was actually supposed to record my album in in 2020. And then, of course, pandemic, club lockdown, blah, blah, blah. year and a half goes by. So many of those jokes felt so stale after that year and a half gap and all that like societal change. So I, I, I took some of that stuff, but mostly I just kind of wrote a whole new act. And it was by the time that was done, that's when I recorded it. 
Uh, it congratulations on that. That's always a big deal. I think that you know there are those bellwethers for comedians that you know when you're touring and you're going across the country, you get those albums that are out. You start getting uh, getting more traction on YouTube and maybe on one of the comedy channels and stuff like this. And it it definitely sounds like you your your career trajectory is definitely one of those that is on much more on the positive, and that that's that's a real cool thing, man. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> there's not a lot of super high peaks, but I just kind of, kind of keep at it, you, you know. And it's, it's a, it's just, it's a. It can be a frustrating business if you don't know how to ride the lows and the highs. But that's what getting old. You, you do have that advantage. I'm like an old quarterback. My arm strength isn't what it was, but I can read the field a little better. <laughs> you, know, you know when you're about to get sacked. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is most of the time. All right, I heard a story. I got to hear this, uh, Patrick. Uh, of course, over at the comedy club. He said, I, I need to talk to you because apparently you, while writing in a coffee shop, saw a person get shot in Minneapolis. When, when was this? Yeah. Yeah, this was 20, oh boy. I want to say late spring 21. I was on a, yeah, I was on a patio of the coffee shop where I write almost every day. And uh, in a very nice neighborhood, it was just a, you know, weird time. And, and I feel weird because people always think like Minneapolis, you know, they want to say it's like this terrifying crime-ridden city. You know, it's like, oh, they think, you know, if they're from the suburbs. They think if you drive into town, you'll be like beaten up and carjacked and shot full of fentanyl within like two minutes, right? <laughs> and I always think that's kind of ridiculous. But then also it's like, oh, I, just, I did get a shot while I was writing jokes and I had to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was the first responder, which is not ideal for <laughs> the shooting victim when the stand-up comedian is your first responder. I, was, I had literally been writing jokes and then I had a uh, pretty unpleasant interaction with the police who came to intervene. I, oh, no. Honestly, the Oh, it was terrible. And I, honestly, this guy would have died if not for one of the other bystanders who came by to help me. I never even got to talk to him, but clearly he had some serious training. I, he had the vibes of an army guy. Yeah. Um, he, he had like army medic training. This guy was unbelievable. And he saved the this, this shooting victim's life. Absolutely no, no thanks to the cops. And I was so mad about it afterwards. I called my mom. I was telling her what happened. She's like, well, you're going to get a good joke out of this. And I was like, Mom, that is offensive. This is a horrible thing that I saw. I'm so mad about this. And like two days later, I wrote a really long bit about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you run the joke? Hey, I've been writing these jokes in there. I mean, you know, comedy is the best medicine. So let's start off here with, uh, what do you think about this one? Is this one resonating with you? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it does happen. And, I mean, first of all, I want to give you credit on one thing. Even though you might not have been, you know, Army medic dude, there are too, there are too many times where something bad happens, someone falls. I was ever at, in uh, by Ridgedale and saw this woman who once did that thing where they can they confuse the gas pedal with the brake pedal. She launched herself. Oh, no. She launched herself into one of the, the stores out there, and I am like nowhere near her. But I was like the first one there because everyone grabbed their stupid phone and started recording as opposed to calling nine one one or anything. I, I give you a lot of credit because there's a lot of times that people don't go out there and try to help a person who clearly needs help. I do find that weird, but luckily I hate social media, and I read a ton of Spider-Man comic books growing up. So, you know, it's like, well, you know, my, my grandpa's going to be pretty peeved if I don't go do something. He's probably going to haunt me at night, so I probably should go help people out, you know. Well, uh, I, you bring up this one element of the story I wanted to ask you about, and just and not as important as the guy, the guy's life got saved. That's the important thing. But as you say, you, you write every day. When it comes to comedians, I, you know, and Seinfeld actually in his – one of his segments, he talked about, I write every day. And I, the, the, the good comedians, 
that just seems like for you know it, 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 where you get your success is you've got a ton of material you constantly are writing. It, that has got to be therapeutic for you and, and obviously give you a lot of good product. Yeah, honestly, that's the part I like the most. I really like the writing. I like writing a joke and I kind of like crafting it. I'm I'm actually a fairly shy person. I don't. I mean, I'm not shy. I guess and not at this point. I've been used to going on stage, but like I don't really like talking to people after the shows. Not that they're not nice. It's that I'm just. I keep to myself, you know, if you see me in a non-comedy context, I probably have my hoodie pulled up. I'm probably in a corner. I'm probably completely by myself with my headphones in. I'm just pretty solitary. Um, so I like the writing part. It's just that, you know, I, unless I, I'm not getting paid to write jokes for anybody else. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I write jokes for Kostagi Economopoulos, uh, our football segment. But, you know, I'm not getting paid to write for, like, Dave Chappelle or one of the big writers. So, um, you know, you got to go tell them yourself. And I, I like telling them. It's fun. I like the, you know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the performance part. I like getting that instant feedback. Mm-hmm. But to me, the telling it is just the end result of figuring out how to write it as opposed to, I mean, I, I hate getting my picture taken. I can't, there's, I have not had new headshots in so long <laughs> just because uh, I just, I hate having my picture taken. I hate seeing myself on video. Uh, but, you know, if you want to tell the joke, someone's got to get up there and tell them. I guess it's going to have to be me. Well, and that's the one of the cool things about your gig, man, is that, you know, what, unless they catch you walking onto the stage or walking off the stage, unless you're Gaffigan or something like this where everyone knows who you are, you can kind of s- sneak into anonymity fairly quickly. And, and that's actually, <laughs> it's got to be a nice element of it. Yes, my manager often comments on my incredible anonymity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, and I, I can't say it on the radio, but I have a, a, a I have a joke at the I have a joke tour that I do at the end of my act usually that's based on a really dirty thing I used to say around the house that drove my wife crazy, and I promised her I'd stop saying this like, sort of dumb, dirty catchphrase, and I put it into my act. But now, when people recognize me, they often shout it out, and sometimes my wife and I will just be walking down the street, and this thing that I promised her I wouldn't say around the house anymore, people will shout across the block. Uh, I've had waiters whisper it to me at a table. I mean, it's pretty funny how often it comes up, and that's the best part because my wife can't get mad because I'm like, hey, I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, you can hear that. Will you hear that joke at the end of the show yeah. this weekend? Okay, beautiful. I will be doing Yeah, I, I like to close with that joke uh, when I can. It's not, it's not that dirty, but, you know, it's uh, definitely not radio-friendly. Well, it's, it's what we call a tease. So I want you, everyone listening right now, go get tickets. The Laugh Camp Comedy Club, that is for Friday night, Saturday night, 8 o'clock is both shows, right? Yep, uh, absolutely, and uh, yes, I will, I will be there, and I will definitely be doing uh, that that joke. I will make sure, because I, I do enjoy telling it, if I can't say it at home. Brian Miller, <laughs> uh, Brian, an absolute pleasure having you on. By all means, anytime you want to come back, please do, my friend. Absolutely, thanks. This is great. A lot of fun. Take care. Brian Miller, once again, the Laugh Camp Comedy Club, tomorrow night, Saturday night. 8 p.m. Both shows. Eventbrite's got the listing. I've got this. I'll post it up on all the socials a little bit later on. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.